0: This is Kira, and welcome to the Alternative Podcast, a southern podcast about anything and everything. Hi guys, welcome back. Hope you guys had an awesome weekend. Um, I spent it with my boyfriend, and we ran some errands and hung out with our cats and cleaned the house, and then I bleached my hair a little more. Um, she's not great but uh, she's getting there Um, today I wanted to talk about my accident Um, huge impact on my life it has been uh, a little over 10 years since it happened and um, yeah if you don't know me I had this huge accident and we're gonna dive into it here in just a minute Um, but those of you that do know about it, it is, it's hard to believe that it's been so long. Um, you know, now I'm, I was 17 when it happened, of course, now I'm 27 and to be an adult with this child, like this, I mean, childhood trauma that's, you know, happens at the beginning of your budding life. It is, um, it sucks. I'll just be honest. It just sucks. You, you take it for granted having, I'm just going to tell you guys, anybody that did not have major trauma happen to you in your teenage years or in your high school years, um, you really had an advantage, um, having this traumatic experience. I'm 27. It, I'm still held back from my accident. I'm still held back from everything that happened to me. Um, I'm still getting my life together. And I'm still having a hard time dealing with what happened to me. Um, but yeah, let's dive into it. Let's let's get this rocking and rolling. Um, so, I don't even need no, notes on this. The past couple ones: the the Betty White Golden Girls episode, my sex sells episode... I did have a couple little notes off to the side. This one, I, I've i told the story probably a, a thousand times already. Um, I don't need notes. I, I mean, it, it happened to me. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to drink some chai latte, which I got at Highland Station in Marshall, North Carolina. They are fantastic. They have amazing empanadas, and their chai latte is one of my personal favorites that I've ever had in my life. Um, they're the bomb deity. If you're out in Marshall, stop by and see them. They're awesome. So if I pause to drink something, that's what I'm drinking. Uh, that's today's drink of choice. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, uh, September 12th, 2011, um, I was with my boyfriend at the time. His name is Mikey and we were on our way to the mountain state fair. Um, I'm going to pause for two seconds. Cause this is definitely a trigger warning for anybody who, um, may have been through a traumatic accident, car accident, been through, um, the hospital or rehab facilities that have, um, you know, negative experiences with them. Um, I do talk about my mental health in this a little bit. I'll probably talk about my mental health in one just kind of in general on its own. Um, But it does definitely impact this story. So trigger warning for any of that sort of thing. Um, Yeah. So if any of this is going to be a little uncomfortable or anything like that, and I mean, and I'm going to talk like, medical jargon. I'm going to talk about like in depth what happened to me. Um, so if any of that may be jarring, um, don't want to ruin your Monday. Um, probably not the episode for you today. So anyway, uh, we had left school. We were on our way to the fair and we were taking some back roads because I hate, I hate the interstate and Mikey did too. Um, and we were just kind of hanging out. We were killing time because our friends weren't even really going to be there for a little while. So we kind of were just killing time before we were going to meet them. Um, but we are at a red light and we were behind a school bus. Um, it was after, like I said, it was after school. So we were behind a school bus. We had a long line of traffic behind us and we were at a red light behind the school bus and there was all of a sudden we're just talking just chatting and uh we just feel like a jolt like a push um and we kind of look at each other like what the hell was that and then we were like is did did the person behind us just hit us and they we didn't see them getting out we were in a 2000 i think a 2003 gmc jimmy so and if, you knew, if anybody knows Mikey or knew Mikey at the time, you knew he didn't give a shit about his vehicles that much. Like, that Jimmy, you know, it was definitely a plate vehicle. Um, So, he he really didn't care. He was just like, you know what, whatever. If they're not getting out and worried about it, you know, it's their fault. I'm not worried about it. I'd rather just go hang out. So, he said, well, it's your car, honey. You know, whatever. And we the light turns green the school bus goes straight and i remember we took a right to go to get to airport road uh because we were taking um glenbridge is the the way that we were going so we were kind of going like over the river and through the woods to get there so he being mikey uh kind of took it kind of like with an attitude i guess just kind of like You're gonna hit me? Well, fuck you, and I'm gonna turn aggressively. Well, this person behind us turned aggressively too, and then hit us again. (laughs) And I don't know why I'm laughing. Turned very aggressively behind us and just hit us again. And we were like, "What the fuck is their problem? Like, once is an instance, twice is a hobby. Like, what? What's their deal?" Sorry, y'all. This latte is good. Um. So anyway, we're like, we were just like, what the fuck? So Mikey sped up and this person behind us sped up it's like a 35 mile an hour. And we were going at least every bit of like 45, 50 and they hit us again and we were like, okay, now they're like purposely doing this. Like you, there's a, you know, there's a point where you're like, wow, this person's doing this on purpose. And... We didn't know what else to do. We were just scared. And so there is. we got to the intersection. I remember it was a, it was yellow light. And it was getting ready to turn red. And Mikey said, I'm going to run this red light. Hopefully it'll stop him. So I said, okay. So he gassed it. The light turned red. And he r- ran it. Didn't stop him. Didn't stop this person. Uh, Mikey tried to put distance. Bet- like a car between us. Um, and so at this point I blacked out cause I don't recall doing this. Um, th- this part of my memory is gone, but I, apparently he crossed the double line and passed a vehicle that was in front of us, like a car and got back over and there was a box truck coming and he got back over and sped up. The person that was chasing us almost went, almost hit them head on. The box truck almost hit them head on because they were still chasing us. Um, so we're we're going, we're going, and Mikey knew the area well enough where he thought he felt confident that he's like, there's yards up here. He's like, I'm just gonna run off the road into someone's fucking yard, and we're just we're just gonna do that. And I said, okay. Because at this point, we were very scared. We were very freaked out. Um, And then there was a curve to the left. And he said, after this curve, there should be some houses and stuff. And I think we can just get away from them doing that. So I said, okay. I will have never and will never blame him for us wrecking scary at times Michael Sieben is a damn good driver even if it's terrifying at times Mikey can be a damn good driver and at the time I had all the confidence in the world that we were going to get away but she hit us one more time and we went through a guardrail and we flipped upside down into someone's house and we were pinned in the vehicle. Um, and it took them two hours to cut us out. We were pinned for two hours. And this is like four o'clock in the afternoon, on, on September. Um, I remember hitting the guardrail, And then I remember waking up. And I remember it was dark and I couldn't move. And I immediately started panicking because I couldn't move. And I remember I screamed for him and I heard his voice. I was like, okay, he's, and I, I remember asking him, are you okay? I love you. Are you okay? And him asking me if I was okay. And I was just like, I don't know what's going on. He said, I don't know. Um, then we could hear people coming and, um, we were like, help get us out of here, get us out of here, help us. And no one could help get us out. And then we heard sire and then I think I blacked out and then woke up and there were sirens and, um, I cannot, I will never be able to truly thank everybody that helped us get the fuck out of there and that helped us while we were pinned in, in the car and everybody that operated on us and got us through physical therapy and you know, my hand therapy and my psychotherapy that I'm still going through. I can never thank anybody of any of these people enough for what they did to help us be normal again, be okay again. Um, but yeah, so like paramedics, like they crawled up under the car with us and i remember smelling nothing but dirt and blood i could smell dirt and metal and that was it and i could i could actually see that my hand was gone i remember seeing the inside of my wrist and my arm meat hanging there i vividly remember seeing this and my just shredded skin just chilling and one of them crawled underneath and I remember they kept asking me like the same questions over and over again like what's your mom's name what's your dad's name what's your mom's do you know your mom's phone number what's your mom's phone number do you know your address well what's your address and they kept asking me the same questions and finally I was like at one point I was like can you stop asking me these questions and they the girl looked at me and said no and she they kept asking me and later on I found out it was because they were trying to make sure that I was giving that I was competent you know and that I wasn't like I was, I was giving consistent answers, you know, and just kind of checking like my mental whatever, making sure I didn't have any like underlying like brain damage that might be going on or head injuries that might be going on. Um, and I just, I remember going in and out of consciousness. Um, I remember, I remember. Uh, waking up and I was screaming and I was like get me the fuck out of here um I remember asking them how much longer how much longer what's going on um and finally I it had been long enough and I was tired and I remember just kind of being in my own thoughts, and I remember accepting that I was dying. I fully accepted I was dying, and that's a terrifying feeling. Um, to 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 face death, to literally be looking it in the face and to be thinking especially at such a young age being only 17 and i had just turned 17 my birthday's the end of august and this was beginning of september so i you know i'd only been it only been like 3 weeks since my birthday <laughs> so to be facing death in such a way at such a young age I, I still have a hard time coming to terms with the, with that fact. Um, like I know, I know that I did, I know that I did, but I still have a hard time accepting that at, at 27, I still have a hard time thinking, wow, you were ready to die. Looking at myself in the mirror and thinking you were ready to die. You were ready to get this over with. And that's basically what it broke down to. I said, God, I got a level with you. I'm done. I can't do this. And I prayed for three things. I prayed that my family would be able to get over it. I prayed that Mikey was going to be okay and he would make it through and be all right and he'd be able to move on. And I asked that my little brother and my sister would know me and know that I love them and remember me. And then i said okay i'm at peace if you're gonna do it do it if you're gonna take me do it right now do it right fucking now i'm ready and i swear to everything in this world at that exact moment that's when you that's when i heard ready one two three go and sunlight came in they lifted the they'd finally cut us out and we're lifting the part of the car, peeling the car off of us so they could get us out of there or get me out, you know, and it was immediately just sunlight came pouring in. And I remember trying to get to move and they were like, no, no, no. (laughs) Cause I was like, okay, I've been here two hours. I'm just going to push myself up and there you go. And I'm just going to walk away from this. No, no, I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. And they lifted me up and I remember thinking like feeling like I was flying through the air because I couldn't feel their hands. I couldn't feel arms. None of that. I, it just felt like I was flying through the air backwards. And that's when they got me on the gurney. And I remember closing my eyes because the sun was bright. I remember closing my eyes and I opened them again. And I remember seeing a fire truck and people standing all around me. And they cut up my favorite pair of American Eagle jeans. <laughs> my favorite pair of fucking jeans that I've ever had. They were so comfortable. They were so cute. Um and I remember them cutting them up, cutting them off of me. And I remember being disappointed like, "Man, I like those pants." <laughs> fucking priorities, right? Your hand's missing, ma'am, but, uh, we had to cut up your pants. So, anyway, I black out. Next thing you know, next thing I know, um, I'm getting pushed into a helicopter. And then I blacked out, and then I woke up again, and I said, where am I, where am I? And the person was like, you're in mama, you're in the helicopter, we're airlifting you to mission hospital and kept asking me the same questions that everyone else had. What, you know, Hey, what's your mom's name, by the way, what's your, what's her phone number. And I remember saying, Oh no, I can't be in here. I don't like heights. And the person looked at me and goes, well, baby, I hate to tell you, but you're here and we're on our way. (laughs) And I remember just being like, what, but I don't like heights. Like, girl, you just accepted that you are dying. And you're going to complain that you're in a helicopter against your will. Girl. Give me a break. So. Anyway, I pass out again. And I wake back up. And. I remember waking up and they were taking me off the helicopter we had just landed and if you've ever been to mission hospital you know that breezeway that leads over from that landing pad and i remember there is this big old black woman and you know just the ones whose voices just make you feel like you're getting a hug when they talk to you and she said baby you you made it you're going to be all right baby you made it and I didn't wake up again until I was in ICU. <laughs> I didn't wake up for a few days. <laughs> um, I think that my conscience, like my consciousness kept fighting to get through to know that I was going to be okay. Um, I think my stubbornness was like fighting because if you don't know, when you go through a traumatic experience, your mind It's a survival instinct to shut down. You know, the fight, 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 flight, or freeze instinct. Your brain wants to, wants to shut down. If something is happening to you and you cannot fight it, you can't run away, then that's when it'll freeze. And your brain will basically just shut itself down to preserve your mind's longevity to, okay, well, if we don't remember this experience, then we'll be able to, we'll be able to recover better and easier and quicker. So your mind is very forgiving in that sense that typically when something bad happens to you, you won't remember, which can be a good thing and a bad thing, depending on who you are and the circumstances. Um, but I think my nosy, stubborn ass had to know what was going on. And I think that I needed to know that I was going to be okay. And I think that if I, I think that I, that once I knew, okay, you're at Mission Hospital, you're going to be okay. And then that was that. And I didn't wake up again until... Um, a few days later, it happened on Tuesday and, or Monday. I don't remember. I don't remember. I'd have to look at a calendar, but I didn't wake up until like Saturday. (laughs) And I was in ICU. I was in ICU for about a week or about a week, eight days maybe. And then I got moved up to trauma floor. Um, where i spent about two and a half weeks and then i was spent another two weeks in rehab or maybe it was vice versa two weeks on trauma floor two and a half weeks in rehab anyway uh i remember in being in icu and i feel like it was dark my mom said it wasn't but i feel like it was dark when that's like nothing but the tv on and, uh, my mom and a nurse were, like, wash, like, wiping off, like, the dead blood and, like, washing, or the dried blood. <laughs> like, we're trying to get it, like, off my body and, like, out of my hair. Um, and that my mom was, like, massaging my scalp. And I remember just being, like, this is better than sex. I've never had sex. But this is better than sex. And my mom just laughing. I remember that. Uh, I remember a couple of my friends coming by in ICU. Once I was awake, I remember, um, like, some of the girls from dance class came by and said, hey, um, I remember Holly, I remember my friend Holly coming a little bit. And I remember Holly a whole lot, but I remember remember Holly a little bit. Um, and her mama. Um... Then I got moved up to trauma floor. That's when I was awake more and really started to figure out what happened to me. That's when I started learning, okay, well, it was, you know, your hand had to be reattached. Um, Funny story, just speaking about the reattachment. So... I kept, so like I said, I knew that my hand was gone in the accident. I knew it was gone. I, 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 I saw the inside of my arm. I know what it looks like. Um, even now I'm picturing it in my mind. And my mom said that I kept taking my left hand and pulling at my right fingers like they were kind of sticking out a little bit out of the bandage and she said I kept like pulling at it and like they like strapped my hand to the bed because I would kept trying to pull and grasp it and finally my my mom was like like going over and over again in her head like how am I going to tell her that her hand's gone or had to be reattached how do I tell my daughter that this happened to her and my mom just blurted out because I wouldn't leave it alone. She blurted it out and said, Kira, do you know what happened? And I said, yeah, my hand's gone. Well, did you know that they put it back on? They did? Yeah, so I need you to leave it alone. And after that, I left it alone. I never touched it again. It was fine. It was done. And I think that was my me, my subconscious, because I don't remember this conversation. But I think that was my like me just being like, something doesn't feel right. Is it, is it really gone or is it still there? Did I imagine the whole thing? Um, so anyway, so then I got moved up to trauma floor. Um, I was watching a lot of TV, a lot of TV. I was up at all hours of the night. I, my leg was in traction. Um, my bandage tumor was plastered to the bed. Um, I had visitors all day, all hours of the day and, and evening, um, to come say hi. <laughs> and my poor mom just sleeping in the hospital with me, like, all the time. Um, you know, mom, um, can you give me something to drink? Yeah. Working in the middle of all this. Still going to work, still trying to take care of our dogs in the house, trying to take care you know, take care of everything that needs to be taken care of and dealt with, but also being with her kid in the hospital who almost died. Um, That's why my mom's better than yours. Sorry. Um, My mom also wiped my butt in the hospital quite a bit. Um, She helped bathe me a couple times. Um, Yeah. Mom's great. Mom's better than your mom. Sorry. Um, let's see. Yeah. My, like being attraction, uh, I had to learn to, so my right wrist was, or my, my right hand was reattached. My left wrist was broken as well. And I was like, well, how am I supposed to do anything? And they basically said, suck it up and start using your left hand. And I said, okay. (laughs) i mean what the hell else am i supposed to do (laughs) i was like really like caught off guard i was like oh shit okay that's fine um so yeah that was a whole ordeal had a bunch you know again bunch of friends coming up and i start remembering more people and more visits at this point because i'm i'm more conscious and i mean i would fall asleep mid-sentence and i'd wake up and everybody would be gone and i'd be like oh shit (laughs) What did I miss? Or I'd wake up and, like, it would be a whole room full of people. Um, I, Mikey's mom brought her laptop and uh, was, like, letting us, like, check our Facebook. And um, I had, like, I had, like, 200-something friend requests. And I remember, like, shitting myself. Like, and his cousin was there, his cousin Max, and was, like, talking to me. And I was, like, how the hell am I supposed to go through all this? And he said, don't. He said, I would just... Exit all of it, <laughs> and I think I did. Um, had a message from pe had message from this girl that I'd argued with earlier that day, and she sent me this message on Facebook. I was like, I know you're in the hospital, but like, I'm so sorry. I feel so bad that I yelled at you, and like, you were just sick, and I feel bad. And oh, that's another thing. I was sick that day. I was sick, and I did not want to go to the fair. But Mikey said yeah but the next time we go we're gonna go with your mom and like this is really our only chance to go like with you and me and our friends and so he kind of like pressured me into going so it's like fine okay uh so I was I didn't even feel good that day like I didn't even want to go anywhere I wanted to go home and sleep um just because I felt sick that day and so yeah this girl's message it was just like it cracked me up because I was like it's fine (laughs) I got bigger fresh to fry now (laughs) It's fine. Um, yeah, people brought me all kinds of stuff. My stepdad brought me, um, some like coloring books and some like blank pages and like letter books and stuff to like, you know, cause I was going to have to become left-handed. So he kind of, you know, helped me, he knew I liked to color and draw and write. So he got me some stuff to try to start doing that a little bit. Um, you know, people brought me all sorts of balloons, which I actually think somewhere I still have all of my balloons from the hospital. I I could be wrong. I might've, I might've tossed them, but I want to say that I still have all of my balloons from the hospital that people brought me because I had this grand vision of like an art piece I wanted to do with all of them. Um, but yeah. So, um, if you sent me a balloon in the hospital, there's a good chance I still have it. Uh, let's see. And then getting a rehab, that was a whole other thing. Um, oh, another funny story about the hospital. So I got a skin graph, which if you don't know, that's where they take uh, part of your skin and they basically shave off the top few layers of your skin and put it somewhere else because um, I had a hole in my leg and a hole in my arm so they kind of needed me to not have that anymore <laughs> so they took this big patch of skin off my leg off my uh, left thigh and I guess they figured it's already scarred up we'll just do this one <laughs> um let you have one normal, completely normal leg, and just one, you know, completely fucked up one. Um, so, the day that they did it, I guess I misunderstood exactly what was going to happen uh, because when I woke up in recovery after the skin grafts and debridement and stuff, they were, I felt my leg and I was like, oh, it's all warm. Like I, I pissed myself because I had just got my catheter catheter out. So I was like, man, I just peed myself. And so I told the nurse, like, hey, I, I peed. And she's like, oh, honey, it's okay. She's like, we're getting ready to take you up to your room since you're awake. We're going to take you up to your room in just a few minutes and we'll get changed up and cleaned up. No big deal. And so I was like, all right. Well, then I fell asleep. And then I woke back up. And they were taking me to my room. And uh, I remember I felt my leg again. And I was like, oh shit, yeah, that's right, I peed. And and I look at my hand, because I'm like, oh, I got piss on my hand. So I look at my hand, and it's bloody. And then I jerk off the, uh, yank off the blanket, and there's blood all over my gown and the side of my bed. I'm like, what the fuck? I was just like, oh shit, what happened? What's wrong with me? What's going on? Why am I bleeding? What's wrong with me? And the male nurse that was walking me back from recovery was like, honey, it's okay. You just, he's like, it looks like you had a skin graft and that's your donor site. And I was like, the fuck is a donor site? <laughs> and he said, let's get you changed up and we'll talk about it. Okay. And I was like, okay. And I was crying. Cause I was like, I'm dying again. <laughs> So then I get in there and they change change my gown and my sheets because there is blood all over it. And so the nurse comes in, you know, explains to me exactly what the deal is with a skin graph. And so then I understood a little bit better and was like, God, holy shit. <laughs> I was just like, so like, mind blown what is happening right now. Um... Had damn tubes coming out of my leg and my arm. Uh, trying to move was a nightmare. Um, the whole thing was awful. I don't even like going to hospitals now. You don't like to visit people. Even if it's like, oh, I had my kid. Come say hi. So, um, rehab. I think I was at rehab. Sorry, I had to stop and help somebody. Um, duty cold. Ugh so rehab rehab was interesting i i did get to see uh friends i didn't i saw more friends in the hospital than i did in rehab which i think is kind of interesting um it was literally sun up to sun down like constantly like i would wake up with therapy um i woke up doing like occupational therapy occupational therapy is any therapy that helps you do normal tasks so brushing your like relearning how to brush my teeth with my left hand that's that was occupational therapy um getting dressed brushing my hair was ot um and hand therapy is part of occupational therapy Um, because it teaches you how to use your hands again. Um, so hand therapy is part of OT, um, for folks who don't know. And, um, yeah, so I was waking up with therapy at like seven o'clock in the morning every day. And I was in a, I was in a wing kind of like my room was like by itself. It was like in a corner. Um, and there were two beds in that room. But just me. And it's because I, I guess it's because I was a minor. Um, my mom or my grandma would stay with me at night. Um, so, yeah, and I was awesome. I like to think that it was because um, I was screaming from being in pain so bad. Um, because they were understaffed at the time. And so, like, their, med- like, medication rounds would take longer. And so, I would be, like, an hour and a half, two hours late on my meds. And I was miserable. And I was just screaming and crying in pain. Um, it was awful. It was so bad. Um, I had, like, the nurse from hell. She was um, from, like, Eastern Europe. Um, I- we called her Magda. We didn't know her name but she just seemed like a magda um she was very like not aggressive but very like intense um and her demeanor and like whenever she would do like my wound dressings and stuff like on my skin graft, on my leg and like on my donor site and stuff it was just like it was awful Um, she was just very firm and intense and it was just, it, it hurt. It would hurt so bad. And like one time my mom was like, I can do it if you just give me the stuff. And I think that was kind of like her cue of like, Oh, (laughs) but she did. She let my mom do it. Um, so then my mom started doing it and it was a lot better. Um, I got to meet some really cool people though. my therapists were so cool Um, I got to bake a cake. I couldn't have chocolate, so we did vanilla. And I actually got to have a piece of my cake. Um, and it was so good. It was so good. And I made it, um, in therapy. Uh, one of my, uh, OTs, she, um, played the trumpet like I do, or did. And so that was cool. We kind of bonded over band and music and stuff like that. And then, um... I forget her name. I know I had Shauna and then I had the other one and I forget her name. Um, but they were so sweet. And then I had Boxley for my physical therapy and he was just a, a the bee's knees. I adored him. Um, I kind of had a crush on him. <laughs> um, he was all tatted up and stuff and he was just super laid back and we like this, you know, some of the same music and, um, so that was cool, uh, to have like those connections and therapy, super crucial. Uh, whether or not you think about that, it is really nice to be able to get along with your therapists on like that kind of level, because when you're seeing them multiple times a day, every day for two weeks, and it's literally your life is depending on this. Like it's crucial for me to be able to brush my teeth. It's important for me to be able to, it's crucial for me to be able to walk, um, you know, stuff like that, you know, it's, it's really nice to have like that positive associating it with that positive, um, demeanor that you, that you get from like being genuinely connected with somebody. Um, and that's where I was very fortunate to have the same therapists and the same doctors. Uh, cause sometimes, you know, insurances will jerk you around and you could just see, I mean, you see a different doctor every appointment and, or see a different therapist every appointment and that's not care. I'm sorry, when you spend half this, half of your th- your time together saying, okay, well, this is what all the other doctors have done and said. And then you have, like, five minutes to figure out a game plan with, with this new person. it's It sucks. And I was very, very blessed to be able to have this consistent care throughout. Um, I think that that was a huge part of my success for me being able to recover as well as I have. Um, not everyone has that privilege. And I was very fortunate to have had that. Um, I mean, I can count on both of my hands the amount of, of people I had involved in my care. Um, I was in and out of the hospital. I was in September 12th. And I was, I left for home like October like 22nd. Or something like that. Like it was ridiculous. It was like a month and like a, a couple of weeks. Like it was super surprising. I thought I was gonna spend Christmas in there. I thought I'd I thought I was gonna be in rehab until Christmas. At least New Year's Eve. I was home before Halloween. We had a Halloween, uh, we had a welcome home Kira slash Halloween party at my grandma's house. Um which I was so high I don't remember a lot of it um that time period is so hit and miss for me because i'm just like i was high as a kite i mean it was like i was as high as a kite and and i just might stop to check you out like a blister in the sun um it was awful but um very fortunate to have had the, the the care that i did Very fortunate to have had um, the support that I did. Uh, Those were two huge factors. People always say to me, like, you were so brave. or It was so courageous for you to do that. No, it wasn't. Literally, my mom would have smacked me if I'd ever thought of giving up. If you don't know my mama, like, I didn't have a choice. My mom would have beat it into me. Like, I don't know. I just... I'll probably talk about this in another episode, but my mental health was so up and down, mostly down that whole time. And at one point, I, I I just wanted to, A, there were a lot of people that were saying a lot of bad things about me. And I wanted to prove those people wrong. I wanted to prove... When I found out that it was a drunk driver, I wanted to prove them wrong. When I found out it was a woman, I wanted to prove her wrong. I wanted to have everybody that ever doubted anything out of me, whether or not it regarded to this, I wanted them to know, this bitch is bad. (laughs) Like, I... I don't know. I, I kind of just set out to, you know what? I'm going to make it. I'm going to be okay. And I can honestly, I, I feel like I have. I feel like I've done a pretty good job considering how much I went through physically, mentally, emotionally. I feel like I definitely kicked ass. Um, and it's a, it's a good feeling. It's a damn good feeling. Um... I meant to do this in the beginning, but I didn't. So I'm I'll do it now. Um, cause I, I I'm a piss poor editor, so <laughs> it's not going to the front like it needs to. Um, I did have 13 injuries. I had, I think I had more than that, but the ones that we were count that were counted, um, my hand was severed and reattached. My right humerus was broken my left wrist was broken my nose was broken i fractured my jaw on the right side uh i fractured my left elbow i chipped the c6 vertebrae in my neck and then the t6 7 and 8 in my back my upper back um must i have to count on one two three four five six seven eight nine ten um, broke my left tibia and and fibula, so both bones in my, the bottom of my leg. Um, and I think I broke my big toe on that side too. Um, my left leg, I had what's called compartment syndrome, which is where uh, there is so much damage to your leg or your your body part that it swells at a rapid pace, and it can start to uh kill the tissue and muscle in your leg or whatever. Um, and so I had to have what's called a fasciotomy, which means that I have, I had all of the fascia muscle removed, which is all the muscle in the front of your leg. So I can only, I only have limited mobility in my leg. I can still walk of course. Um, but I do walk with a limp. Uh, I have what's called a drop foot, which is where your foot just kind of hangs there. You can't flex it or pull it back. um, so she's just kind of there and just, you know, whatever. Um, we can't wear as high heels as we used to. Some shoes just aren't, don't cut, just don't make the cut anymore. Um, but overall she's good. Um, my toes do curl under, so I walk where I don't have the muscle to pull them up. Um, so I do walk actually on my toes, um, and that's very painful. Um, I do still have nerve damage in my leg and my hand. Um, more so my foot than my hand. My, my leg and my foot really bothered me more than my hand and arm ever did. Um, which is kind of weird to think about. Because you're like, your hand was off. And it's like, not bothering you as bad as the body part that didn't leave. So go figure that one. Um, but it was a lot of trauma to my leg. Um, they almost amputated it. They said they sliced me open on both sides. and. They basically said if this doesn't help, uh, we may have to amputate from, like, the knee down. Um Even to this day, it's been 10 years. Even to this day, I have to worry about getting infections or anything like that because um, it can go straight to my hand or my leg and my foot. And it can just cause problems, again, because I'm not fully healed. Um, I never will be. I still have a hairline fracture in my leg. I still have you know my hand my body could have rejected my own body part and at any point it could again um or it could so it's it's an ongoing physical journey that I will have forever um at this point it's I'm I'm kind of whatever about it it's more of an aggravation than anything else like when I trip and like I drop something I'm like damn it <laughs> like it's very frustrating sometimes um in that aspect but it's i don't know i'm very fortunate to be here i'm very blessed to be here and i don't plan on going anywhere anytime soon um you know one person tried to kill me (laughs) let's see the next one bring her down um so yeah i definitely um sorry i got distracted with something at work it was red and fluffy Um, I'm terrible. I'm a terrible podcaster. Why are you listening to me? Um, (laughs) but no, I am just very fortunate to be here. I definitely don't take anything for granted. Um, despite what people may say, I don't take anything for granted. I don't feel like I do. Um, you know, and I set out to prove people wrong and I, I think I have, I think I've done that. um, at the very least, I'm comfortable with who I am, despite everything that happened to me. And that's something a lot of people can't say, and they didn't go through the trauma that I went through. I think I'm a good person. You know? I don't know. I just... There's a lot of negativity that, that could have come from this. And it's just been such an overall positive thing, Um, despite the circumstances, um, and despite everything else, uh, despite the fact that it was a drunk driver, um, you know, despite the amount of trauma that I've experienced, despite the uh, mental and emotional toll it took on me and does take on me, um, I don't know. I, I think that it definitely could be worse. I could be worse. Um, and I'm very, Thankful and appreciative that I'm living the life that I am. And that I have the friends and relationships that I do. Um. It is interesting to like. Meet people. That have like never known me. Pre-accident. Because there is pre-accident Kira. And then post-accident Kira. And it is interesting to like meet people and know that like. You never knew me. Like beforehand. Beforehand. But then it's also interesting to meet my friends that I've had forever and for them to be like, I, you know what I used to be like. Um, so that kind of messes with me a little bit sometimes, but it's okay. It, it's fine. <laughs> um, story of my life, right? It's fine. It's okay. <laughs> um, but anyway, thank you for listening. I'm going to go ahead and end this one for the day. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, thank you for supporting the pod and po- supporting the pod. Uh, thank you for supporting, uh, me in this. Um, I'm still, I'm enjoying doing this. I think it's really fun. I am enjoying seeing like the no- little numbers go up and be like, oh, someone listened. I'm excited. Um, <laughs> cause I'm that kind of person um so no thank you for listening I do appreciate it I do like seeing the little numbers go up it makes me really happy um so please keep listening uh subscribe hit the little notifications the button so you don't miss an episode (laughs) um and I will talk to you guys later bye